0: Well, good morning, Stone Creek. Good morning. Uh, Hey, listen, I'm really excited for all that God's going to do here at our church this upcoming fall as we dive into Financial Peace University together. But for those of you that don't know me, my name is Joe Baker, and I'm the student pastor here. And I've had the privilege of being here for just over a year and a half. Uh, My wife, Leslie, and I, we actually, in March 2017, uh, packed up everything that we owned in Wilmington, North Carolina, and decided that we were going to leave our friends and our family to move out here to this area area to serve here at Stone Creek Church. And guys, let me just say, it's been an incredible journey. Uh, We've laughed, we've cried, we've grown closer to each other, closer to God. Um, We've been able to see Jesus do some incredible things in our lives since being here. And uh, we got pregnant along the way. I don't know how that happened, but we've got a baby boy coming in just a month. And uh, yeah, that's exciting. And uh, it has been um, an incredible journey. And so I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for letting me be uh, your student pastor, for trusting me with the middle school and high school students here. Um, It has been fun as we've gotten to hang out with them and connect with them and get to know them and lead them um, here. But most of you probably just know me as the glorified announcements guy. The guy that comes up here every Sunday and tells you about some important information that you need to know, things happening here at Stone Creek. And about after a year and a half of being that guy, I decided, you know what, there's gotta be more. Like, there's gotta be more for me. I, I got more uh, than, the, than just this. And so I went to Stephen and I begged him and I pleaded with him and I was like, Stephen, please let me preach one Sunday morning. And to show him that I was ready, I started studying and I started praying and I started uh, learning Greek and Hebrew and I started watching old Billy Graham messages to prepare myself. And finally he said, all right, I'll give you an at-bat. I'll welcome you into the big leagues. You can preach uh, Labor Day Sunday. And so uh, that brings us to today. And today we're wrapping up our series, The Adventure of Following Jesus. And in this series, we've been looking at the life of Jesus' followers and how they left everything that they knew to step into the unknown to venture on with Jesus. And here's one of the things I know about adventure is that amazing adventures ignite unbelievable sharing. Amazing adventures ignite unbelievable sharing. I remember the first time I went on a floating adventure, you know, an adventure out at sea, also known as a cruise. How many of y'all have ever been on a cruise before by show of hands? Okay, a good bit, a good bit of us. All right, well um, two years ago in September, Leslie and I, we decided that we were going to go on a cruise and uh, to celebrate our anniversary and I had never been on a cruise before. I didn't I didn't know what to expect. And I thought they were all hype. I thought they were just, I thought it was just gonna be a waste of money. But Leslie, she had been on a cruise and she was convinced. And I mean like convinced that we needed to go on a cruise. And uh, so I, we, we did some kind of talking back and forth and I told her that I didn't wanna be locked in a boat uh, for seven days out at sea in the middle of hurricane season. Uh, but as I presented my plan to go camping over and over again and it got shot down time and time again, uh, We agreed, and we compromised, and we decided to go on a cruise. And we didn't just go on any cruise. We decided that we were going to go on a Royal Caribbean cruise. Who here has ever been on a Royal Caribbean cruise? Okay, uh, okay, a few of us. Well, and we didn't just go on any Royal Caribbean cruise. We decided we were going to go on the Oasis of the Seas. Here's a picture of it right here. And the Oasis of the Seas at the time was the largest cruise ship in the world. It was one of Royal Caribbean's uh, twins of one of their mega ships. It was huge. It was massive. It was amazing. But more importantly than the ship was uh, the beautiful lady I was able to take with me. And here's a picture of me and Leslie there on the boat. Y'all say, ah, Yeah, I know she's really pretty. Yesterday was her birthday. and so. Uh, celebrating. She's 25 years old now, but hey, we went on this cruise, and it was an adventure, okay? I remember As soon as we show up, we pull up to the boat, and I didn't do any research before this trip. I was just going in blind, and we walk in, and we open the door, and I remember just dropping my luggage. My my jaw dropped, and I just looked around in amazement. Like, I felt like a kid at Disney World for the first time. Like, everything was fancy and shiny and new and fresh, and they had these things called promenades, which was music everywhere and a bunch of different clubs and all kinds of awesomeness, and they had central parks, and they had a boardwalk, and they had spas, and they had all kinds of fun things. They had pools. And when I say they had pools, like their pools had pools. That's how many pools they had. And uh, it was so much fun. And, but for me, like adventure and relaxation for me isn't like just sitting by the pool doing nothing. I want to do stuff. And they had basketball courts and tennis courts and ping pong and arcades. They had zip lines. And then they had these things these things called flow riders, which are like imitation surf experiences. And it was awesome. And so that's where I hung out most of the time, but they had live music and they had shows. And then most of all, most importantly, they had all you can eat of the finest of foods in all the land, like all you can eat food. And so for every meal, I would say, yes, I will have calamari and bacon-wrapped shrimp, and yes, I will have for my entree lobster and filet mignon, and for dessert, why not? I'll have creme brulee and chocolate molten lava cake. Like, it was awesome. I was sold. It was this incredible adventure, and we also got to meet some really cool friends. Uh, One night, we went to the place where their house band plays a bunch of music, and come to find out, they realized that I play the drums and Leslie sings, and so they welcomed us up on stage, and every night, we were able to play music with the band. We became like celebrities on the cruise, and Leslie would sing, I wanna dance with somebody. And I'm gonna stop there, because I'm not Patrick Casey, but um, we would just have a bunch of fun. We would hang out with people. We got to meet all kinds of friends, and it truly was an amazing adventure. And in the weeks following this cruise, I was that guy that went around to all of my friends and all of my family and to the students at church and to everyone I could come in contact with. And I told them about my amazing cruise experience. I showed them pictures. I I told them all about the different excursions we went on. Like I told everybody about the cruise experience so much so that people started to tell me, Joe, just shut up shut up about your cruise. Like, we don't care about it. Like, I was telling everybody so much so that I thought that I would be uh, Royal Caribbean's brand ambassador of the year. 2016, I was gonna get the tattoo on my arm and I really seriously contemplated leaving behind my call of ministry to pursue being a cruise director. Like that's how sold I was in this adventure. And I learned through this experience that adventure truly does ignite unbelievable sharing. There's something that amazing adventures do to our soul that just compels us to want to tell people about all that we have seen and heard and experienced. And that's what the adventure of following Jesus is meant to do. The adventure of following Jesus is meant to stir something in us that we just cannot help but tell people about all that he has done in our lives. Tell people that, We've come to know him and that he's walking alongside us and that he's given us a new heart and that he's transforming us to look more and more like him and that we love him so deeply and that he's given us life and and joy and he's filled us with this incredible love and that love should compel us to go and tell people, tell the people we come in contact with about who he is. But why is it though that it can be sometimes so easy to share with everybody about our amazing experiences like going on a cruise or going to that college football game or going to vacation at Seaside with our family or eating those Brussels sprouts for an appetizer last night. Like why is it that it's so easy for us to share about those things in our life that maybe have little to no impact on our future or eternity, but when it comes to sharing about this amazing adventure of following Jesus, we keep that to ourselves. Like we, if we can be honest, like we would rather tell our neighbors about that new restaurant we ate at the Avalon than tell them about what Jesus is doing in our lives. And that's what happens a lot of times. But this morning, we're going to look at a story in the Bible, a story that we see of about a couple of Jesus's followers that they had truly experienced Jesus. They had come to know him in some real and deep ways, so much so that they couldn't help but tell everyone that they came in contact with about what he had done in their lives. And so I'm going to pray for us and then we'll dive in, Okay. God, we thank you so much just for bringing each of us here. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing in this church, for what you're doing in our lives. God, thank you. God, that we get to open up your word, that we get to hear from you. And Jesus, I pray that you would um, just speak very clearly through me this morning. Jesus, that you would be elevated by the words that we say here in this place. And God, that we would come to know you more. And we pray all this in Jesus' powerful name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Okay, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to Acts chapter 4. And before we dive into this story, let me give you a little bit of brief context. This story has two main characters, and those main characters are Peter and John. Now, Peter and John originally were fishermen. They had spent their days out at sea, uh, working hard, catching fish, and then going and selling that fish in the market. And they, they were business owners, and they were making a living by fishing. And Peter sh- or Jesus shows up one day, and he engages Peter and John, and he says, hey, come follow me. And they decide to leave everything, to leave behind their boats, and their families, and their businesses, and everything that they knew to step into the unknown, to venture with Jesus. And on this adventure, they were able to see Jesus do some pretty crazy, pretty out-of-the-ordinary things. Like they saw Jesus heal a blind man, they saw Jesus cast out demons, they saw Jesus take a few loaves of bread and some fish and make it to where there's enough food to feed over 10,000 people. They saw Jesus walk on water. They saw Jesus calm the raging storms. They saw Jesus take a girl who had just died, a 12-year-old girl, and bring her back to life along with a few others. They experienced the joy that Jesus was bringing in their lives. They got to see how Jesus loved people and loved them even when they were dumb. Like they got to see Jesus do some pretty crazy things and they experienced him in such a real and deep way. And so when Jesus, after Jesus dies and he is buried and then rises from the grave three days later, and he goes and tells all of his followers to go throughout the world and speak his name, lift high his name, and tell everyone about what they have seen and experienced. Peter and John, because they had experienced Jesus in such a deep way, they said, cool, we're going to do that. And so they begin to go on mission to tell people about Jesus. And one day in Acts chapter 3, there on their way to the temple. And as they're on their way to the temple, they, um, they're they on mission, and they notice this lame, paralyzed beggar sitting outside the temple. And, and much m- m- kind of similar to like maybe some of the people that we see maybe in downtown Atlanta, or maybe that we've seen uh, walking on the streets or maybe that we've seen even here in this area on the street corners, people that maybe are homeless or jobless are asking for help or just asking for someone to stop and maybe give them some money. They see this man. He interrupts them, interrupts them on their way to do something special. And Peter and John, they decide to engage this man. And so they stop and they look at this man this man who's never walked before in his life, this man who was literally carried to sit outside the temple every day his entire life, outside this Jewish temple to ask for money, they stop and they engage him. And they look to him and they say, hey, listen, we don't have any money. We don't have any silver. We don't have any gold. But here's what we do have. We have the name of Jesus, and we've been charged to tell people about Jesus. And so we're just going to say, in the name of Jesus, will you stand and walk? And immediately it says that this man's feet and his ankles and his legs were made well, and he's able to stand and walk for the first time. He even starts running and then leaping and praising God, worshiping God, dancing. And as these people begin to see, this, these people in the area begin to see this man that they knew of, this man that had been paralyzed his entire life, as they see him run around, they begin to gather like, what is happening? Like, who, who is this? Like, what, what, is, what, is, what has happened to this man? And so Peter and John, they say, cool, this is a great opportunity. We're going to gather these people and we're going to tell them about Jesus. And so as they're speaking about Jesus, this group of religious leaders and the guards, known as the Sadducees, they come and they arrest Peter and John, throw them in prison for the night with plans to put them on trial the next day. And so the next day, they're on trial before this group of 70 uh, wealthy and uh, influential and sometimes even corrupt and crooked men. This basically like the Supreme Court of Jerusalem, and they're on trial, standing before this group of men, and they begin to ask them questions like, who do you think you are? Like, wh- what gives you the right to heal this man, and how did you heal this man? Like, who are you working for? Are you like David Blaine? Like, how are you doing this right now? Like, what is happening? And they're asking them question after question after question, and that's where we pick up the story. Acts chapter four, beginning in verse eight. They're asking them these questions. And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, says to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? He says, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing before you well. And then he goes on and he says, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you the corner, and has now become the cornerstone. He says, hey, you know that Jesus that you put on the cross? Yeah, it's that Jesus. That's the Jesus that we're talking about. And then he says this statement, so bold. He says, there's salvation and no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So Peter and John standing before this group of men that literally could have killed them, imprisoned them, punished, do whatever they wanted to them. Standing before this group of men that they knew despised the message of Jesus, that they knew would stop at nothing to keep this message from spreading. Standing before this group of men, they didn't like retreat. They didn't kind of go back on some things that they believed. They said, you know what? We're gonna use this as an opportunity to boldly speak about Jesus. And so he begins to say that there's salvation found in no one else but Jesus, which for these men would have been blasphemy, would have been ludicrous out of this world. Like They would not have been able to believe that because they didn't believe Jesus' claim that he was the son of God. They didn't believe Jesus' claim that he had the power, the ability to forgive people of sins. And Peter and John say, hey, That Jesus, everything he said is true. And that Jesus is the one that's healed this man. And so they're standing before this group. And I begin to wonder, like, how could they be so bold? Like, maybe you're wondering that, like, dang, how how could they do that? Like, how could they be so bold? And then this group, they begin to they begin to kind of uh, think and talk amongst themselves. And in verse 13, it says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So check this out. Peter and John standing before this group. And this group is baffled. Like how could these men that are uneducated, these men that don't have any special training in the scriptures, these men that don't have the skills or the requirements that they think would be needed to lead spiritual movements, they are baffled. Like how are these men this bold? How are they doing these things? They begin to ask these questions like wondering what in the world is is going on? But then they recognize that Peter and John had been with Jesus and that was enough. Like for them, being with Jesus was enough. They had experienced Jesus in such a real way that they had this desire to be so bold, even in front of opposition, even if it meant it could cost them everything. And so then this group of leaders begin to think about, hey, what are we gonna do now? And uh, it, says, it says in verse 16, they start to say, hey, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So everyone can see it. And we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. And so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. They recognized that the name of Jesus has power. They recognized that the the only way, the only thing that they could think to do to keep this message from spreading is to tell them that they could not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And imagine being in Peter and John's shoes. They're standing before this group. And I began to think like, would I flip in this situation? Like, would I just agree to their... To what they're asking me to do, like all they're asking me to do is just not say Jesus' name, and like I-, I guess I could do that. I guess I could maybe still share the gospel with them. Like I don't know, and like like would I flip in this situation? Like we see people flip all the time on things they believe in. We see attorneys and athletes and politicians flip all the time on things that they believe in. Like would I do that? Would I give in? But to them, the name of Jesus was worth everything. Like to them, there was nothing in all of the world more powerful than the name of Jesus. And so for them, they knew that they couldn't just go back on that. They knew they couldn't flip. They knew that there was no way that they could do what Jesus had called them to do by not speaking his name. They had experienced Jesus in such a real way that they had to go and tell people about him. And so they respond, and I love this. I love how they respond. It says, Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you Rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of all we have seen and heard. We cannot but speak of all we have seen and heard. See, Peter and John, they wanted to speak boldly about what they believed so deeply. The reason they were able to speak so boldly is because they believed in Jesus so deeply. Listen, they had literally had their lives transformed by him. They got to walk with Jesus and talk with Jesus for years. They, they went on journeys with Jesus. They saw the miracles. They saw then Jesus be crowned with a crown of thorns. They saw him beaten and mocked. They saw him then put on a cross. They saw Jesus die on a cross. They saw him dead. And then they saw him buried into a tomb, and that tomb sealed with a stone, and that tomb guarded by Roman soldiers. They saw it, and then three days later, miraculously, they came to see Jesus at this tomb, but then the stone had been rolled away. The grave was now empty. And so they come, and they see, whoa, Jesus is alive. He's not here anymore. He's alive, so we got to go find him. And so they encounter Jesus again, and they're able to see the resurrected King Jesus along with over 500 people, 500 eyewitnesses that saw Jesus alive. They saw his scars, they felt his wounds. They were able to experience Jesus alive. And because they had experienced him in such real and miraculous ways, they said, the only thing we know to do is tell about him. And I don't know about you, but I know in my life, like the the times that I wanna speak boldly about Jesus, Only come when I am so in love with him. Only come after I have experienced him in real ways. Like for me, it wasn't until I actually began reading this book, The Bible, God's Word, breathed out for us that I began to come to know Jesus more and want to hear from him more and then talk to him and then tell people about him. And it was in that that I fell more in love with Jesus and then I wanted to go and tell people about him. And here's what I've learned through that is that we speak boldly about what we believe deeply. Like you and I, like we tend to speak boldly about the things that we believe deeply. If you don't believe me, like the things that we talk about are the things that we're passionate about. Like if you are uh, that person that believes that essential oils are the cure for everything and that they are so great, you speak boldly and you can go tell everybody about your voodoo liquids and how they're the cure for everything. Like that's that's what we do. If if you grew up in the area in the era of Michael Jordan and you saw how great he was. You think that he's the GOAT, and when people like me try to say that LeBron is the GOAT, like you get mad, you get upset, you speak boldly because you believe that. If you're an iPhone person, and you're hanging out with those people or texting those people that make your text messages green, uh, the Android people, you speak boldly because you believe why the Apple products are better, that they're just better, you speak boldly. What about Georgia Bulldog fans? You speak boldly about Kirby Smart potentially being the second coming of Jesus because surely there's someone that can make this football program great again. Like you get excited about it. We speak boldly about the things that we believe so deeply. And experiencing Jesus deeply should lead to us sharing him boldly. It should ignite something in us, stir something in us that we want to tell people, tell everyone that we come in contact with. Chris Pratt, uh, I don't know if you know who he is. Here's a picture of him. Uh, Chris Pratt, he's one of the more, more popular actors today. He went from like Z-list to A-list in just a short amount of time. He was like this wacky guy in a TV show and then he became the sexiest man alive. Like, I don't know how that happened. And and Chris Pratt, um, he tells this story in a magazine that I was reading. He tells this story of the first time that he heard about Jesus. And he says that he was... Living in Hawaii at the time, he was essentially homeless, living out of a van, and he was waiting tables at Bubba Gump Shrimp Restaurant. How many of y'all have ever waited tables before? You waited tables? Yeah, I've waited tables before. And, and he was just waiting tables at this restaurant, just kind of coasting through life. Just coasting. And um, he, since neither him nor any of his friends were even 20 at the time, he, uh, him and his friends asked some guy to go and buy them beer while they're waiting outside of a grocery store one night. And as they're waiting outside this grocery store, Chris tells the story that he's waiting outside of the store and this man comes up to him. And this man recognized something in Chris that needed to be saved. And so he begins to ask Chris some questions and he's like, hey, what are you doing tonight? And Chris is like, well, we're going partying. And Henry is the guy's name, and Henry asks him, well, like, are you going to go drink and, like, do drugs, meet girls, and fornication, like, things like that? And Chris is like, I hope so. And, and he begins to ask him more questions, and as Henry's asking him questions, Chris says, I should have been, like, intimidated, but I wasn't. And Chris asks him, why are you asking me these things? And Henry says, Jesus told me to talk to you. And in that moment, Henry begins to tell him about Jesus and bring him to church. And then Chris, over the next few days, goes to tell his friends that Jesus had forever transformed his life. And what's crazy is that just a few months ago, uh, Chris was at the MTV Movie and TV Awards. And he's standing on stage before, uh, before an audience of millions of people on TV watching and live. And he's standing on this stage and he is uh, presented with the Generation Award, and he's standing there, and for his acceptance speech, he chooses to use this opportunity, even if it could cost him everything, to tell, well, make some jokes first, and to tell the world about the love of God and the grace that is found in Jesus. To speak to this generation and tell them that there is hope in Jesus. Like, imagine that. Being this actor of this status, of this high of a caliber, like you have this opportunity to tell people about Jesus. And because he had experienced him in such a real way, because Henry had experienced Jesus and then invited uh, Chris to experience Jesus, now Chris was on this stage telling the world about all he had seen and experienced in Jesus. And see, that's what the adventure of following Jesus is supposed to do in us. It's supposed to ignite something in us to share boldly about all that we have seen and heard. But I think a lot of times, like, we get scared to do this. Or a lot of times, we miss opportunities to engage people. Like, there are people that we come across every single day that need to hear about the message of Jesus. But why is it that a lot of times, like, we just don't tell them? We just don't. And I think there are a few reasons why. And one reason is that, that I think that we aren't experiencing Jesus consistently. We're not consistently experiencing Jesus. Could it be that maybe the reason why we're not telling people about Jesus is because we either haven't experienced Jesus or we aren't consistently experiencing him in such a real way that we wanna tell people? Like, could it be that maybe it's because we haven't opened up our Bible in a long time and we haven't heard from him, we haven't talked to him in a long time through prayer? Could it be that maybe the reason I don't wanna tell people about Jesus is because I just I, I, I've lost touch with him? Could it be that maybe Jesus isn't on our radar and that's why we're not telling people about him? But Peter and John, they had experienced Jesus and they experienced him in such a real way and were consistently walking with him that they spoke boldly about him no matter the cost. And so could it be that maybe the thing missing for us in telling people about Jesus is that we need to consistently experience more and more of who he is. And the second reason I believe is that we care more about what people think than their eternity. Oftentimes we care more about what people think about us than we do their eternal situation. And this is for each of us here in this room. Like think about the times that maybe you didn't want to share Jesus with somebody because you weren't sure that you were going to have all the right answers, you weren't sure that, that if they asked you this particular question that you would know how to respond, and, and in that, these insecurities start flooding through your mind, and you're thinking, what are they going to think about me? Like, what are they going to think if, if they're going to, like, ask me something I don't know? Like, are they going to think I'm a fool, like, for believing in someone that I don't know all the answers to? Like, what are they going to think about me? And could it be that maybe the reason why we're not sharing Jesus with our neighbors is because we're more concerned with whether or not they're mowing their grass and pulling their weeds than we're concerned about their eternal situation. We're concerned more about these other things than whether or not they're going to experience the person of Jesus. And so in our insecurities, we begin to build up this fear of actually boldly telling people about Jesus because we're not sure whether we know enough. We're not sure whether we're equipped enough. And so church, for us, this is a challenge for me and for each of us, is that, man, I just hope that we would have a faith like Peter and John's, that we would be so in love with Jesus, that we would have experienced him in such real ways on this adventure that we've taken with Jesus, that we would learn to walk with him and talk with him and learn who he is and tell people about him in such a real way. And so this is a challenge, that we would experience Jesus deeply and that we would share Jesus boldly that we would be known, Stone Creek Church, as a group of people that are so sold out, so in love with Jesus. Jesus is on our radar every single day. It doesn't matter that we've got mortgage payments and we've got soccer games and we've got open houses and we've got all these other things that seem to flood our minds and take our attention. No, it doesn't matter about these things. We're still experiencing Jesus so consistently and so deeply that we just wanna tell people about him. We just cannot help but speak of all we have seen and heard in Jesus. Like Stone Creek, what if we were that church and I believe that we can be and I believe that we will be, that we would be a church that is so in love with Jesus and elevating his name that our schools, our workplaces, our homes, our communities would forever look different because of what he's done in our lives, because of the encounter that we've had with him and our boldness to go and tell anybody, no matter the cost, no matter what it might cost us, speak the name of Jesus and lift him high. Let's pray. God, thank you so much, God, for never giving up on us. Even when we seem to run away, God, even when it seems like we walk away from you, God, thank you for the hope that is found in you, Jesus. Hope that no matter our past mistakes or our present shortfalls or our future failures, Jesus, that you still chase after us and that you still love us. God, I thank you for inviting us on an adventure to experience more of who you are, Jesus. I thank you, God, just for giving us life. God, thank you for giving me a new heart. God, thank you for chiseling away some of the junk in my life, Lord, so that I can look more like you. And God, I pray that Stone Creek, that this church, that we would be a people Jesus, that are so sold out, so in love with you, that it doesn't matter who's telling us not to. It doesn't matter what people might think, that we are so in love with you, Jesus, that we care about every single person we come in contact with, and we want them to hear of how great you are. We want them to hear about the hope that's found in you, Jesus. We want them to hear about the God that loves them so deeply. And so, God, I pray for each of us, Lord, for those of us that know you, that we would just come to know you more and experience you more. For those of us here that don't know you, God, I pray that maybe today would be the day that we say yes to following you, Jesus, for maybe the first time. Say yes to the invitation of eternal life that you've given us, the invitation to know the God that's created us. And so Jesus, I pray that you would just speak to us. God, that you would move in us, that we would be a people that boldly shares of all that we have seen and heard and experienced in you, Jesus. And we pray in Jesus' powerful name, amen, amen, amen.